This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 722, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you, especially that one guy. The USSR. 
Hello, welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 722. I'm Josh Flanagan. I'm here with my co-host, Connor Kilpatrick. You know, a good idea is not to take a sip of water as you're introducing me. It's not like you've done this before. No. Hey, Josh. Yeah. How's it going? I'm just, I'm just responding to your introduction of me late. Oh, I see. I see. You've got us back on track. Also, uh, before we get into the whole thing, how's everyone doing out there in the world? It's been a fun week. It's been an interesting week. What's that, uh, may you live in interesting times line? Well, I mean, that being the case, my entire adult life has really been this <laughs> sort of roller coaster of interesting times, if I look at it that way. Another way to look at it is how often can someone say, hey, this has never happened in my lifetime? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think the overall real question is how many existential crises <laughs> can a human body endure? Right. How much of one's professional career can be totally scuttled by disaster? Over and over. You really have had a bad run of that. <laughs> I mean, out of everyone I know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, like, you know, notwithstanding sickness, illness, yeah. and injury, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Everyone hang in there. There's comics to read. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> I mean, in other weeks. Well, the just, good news here. Yeah. Is that we are iFanboy, mm-hmm. and uh, every week we record uh, this show hermetically sealed, more or less. Whether there are comics to talk about or not, we still yes. do it. Can't say, you know what? This week sucked. Talk to you next week. Connor and I are maintaining a social distance of 3,000 miles, like we always do, but this time it just seems to make sense. We were ahead of the curve. Yeah, totally. Every week we read a stack of comics. We pick the best one as the pick of the week. And then we try to fill up the script that follows this with other things that are interesting to talk about. And yeah. normally that serves as a, as a pretty good distraction for sort of whatever is ailing the world at the moment. But then for some reason, the books this week were fine. And there weren't many of them. Yeah, it's not, there was no post 9-11 G.I. Joe number one this week, mm-hmm. you know? The balm that calmed the soul for a few minutes. This week, That's true. I had the pick of the week. There weren't very many books. I think I had like 14 books. And, you know, I'm not even going to say there were like bad books. There were a lot. No. Almost everything I read was like, yeah, Larry David reaction. Eh. Yeah. That was fine. Pretty good. And so when I finished on Wednesday, and you may notice that the pick wasn't announced until late Thursday, I was like, oh, no, because... Nothing was really standing out. There was a couple of books. The one, the pick of the week was very good. The, another good issue of Hawkeye, but it was it was not as good as the last one, which was pick of the week. A lot of things like that. If I may, just real briefly, because we are about to get into this, there will be spoilers. Go on, Connor. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I got ahead. I was really excited to talk about these books. And so I thought Slow about it. Slow for- down. We have to fill out an hour. <laughs> I thought about this for uh, a full day, and it came up with Punisher Soviet number five. From Garth Ennis, Jason Burroughs, Guillermo, wow, Guillermo Ortega, Nolan Woodward, and Rob Steen. This is a Marvel Max series, the latest Punisher one from Garth Ennis. Are you re- reading this? I don't know if, if you. Yeah, oh yeah, that. absolutely. I've been really enjoying this, and this issue was, I think, the reason why I ended up picking it was because, I mean, it's been a great series. The art's terrific, and in this issue, two of the characters that we've been following. This is the penultimate issue. The next issue is the final one. Two of the characters that have been a main part of the story die and this, they were both pretty shocking in that sense they, they provoke genuine reaction genuine emotional reaction from me so you combine the fact that it's been a great miniseries the art's terrific the writing's terrific and then two genuine moments of shock I was like, oh, there, that's pick of the week there you go that was my <laughs> reasoning 
yeah, I, 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 I get that. Well, let's just get into it. Um, mm-hmm. is that the wife mm-hmm. was an it was an interesting character. Yes, and and this and this actually writes pretty good female characters, uh, in terms of uh, like women who have like they're always surrounded. Garth Ennis is always sort of surrounded by tough guy men. You know, your John Milius ideal, mm-hmm. and the women who exist in this. I think he takes pains to make sure that they're not damsel in distress kind of women. They have he always to find a way to insert themselves into the cracks of society and yeah. then flourish that way. Now, now the stories are almost always about the men, mm-hmm. but he does take care that with the the women who were there. You know, uh, I'm thinking of Tulip mm-hmm. from Preacher. I'm thinking of uh, of this this character. There's another one. I'm, I'm not I'm not quite getting to uh, this woman. You know. She had to make the best life that she could using the assets that she has. Well, she was a Russian trophy wife. Yep. For the Russian oligarch gangster. And she turned out to be much more than just eye candy. And mm-hmm. was it really interesting? I thought she was an interesting character. Yeah. I was And she was self she was self aware. She wasn't deluded. She's you know, she's completely aware of what's going on. It's funny because she and she managed to not funny. She managed to make her, you know, longevity in a, in a place where she wouldn't have a lot of longevity as the sort of husband looks to a new thing, you right. know, and she's like, I made it to 30 instead of 22, right. you know, in this situation, which is interesting. I was really excited to see what was going to happen to her. And then she dies in the beginning. It was a shocking page turn. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, that was sad. I don't love the decision only because I thought she was interesting and I didn't know what was going to happen with her. Mm-hmm. Like that could have branched off a bunch of different ways and been interesting, and they just kind of shunted her off, mm-hmm. like they, the storytellers, mm-hmm. in a way. And I'm wondering if she, like, she didn't fit in the plan originally. Like everything else had to go ahead, but he came up with her, you know, there and then made stuff with her that's interesting. But you still don't have anything to do with her. It felt like The Sopranos. The Sopranos, but they did this like two or three seasons where they just killed the person who was the problem. Uh, they did it with Richie April. This is I'm sorry, this is this is statute of limitation for spoilers is way yeah, over. For sure. They did it with Richie April. Mm-hmm. They did it with um the next scary guy. I was gonna say Steve Buscemi, but there was one in between. Joe 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 Pantaleone. Uh yeah. I can't remember the character's name. Pantaleone. It was the same thing. you yeah. Wow, I really blew that. Joey Pants. Yeah. You know, it was like that same kind of thing. Like, wow, this is a really interesting person. I have no idea how they're gonna get out of this. And they're like, Oh, they're dead. There you go. I think it speaks to the tragedy of she was able to flourish in in her way, but her eyes always seemed kind of dead, and so mm-hmm. her dying made sense to me in that sense. So the, if That's you're not fair. reading this series, the, the Punisher has encountered basically his Russian counterpart, his Soviet counterpart, a veteran of the Afghanistan war with the Soviet Union from the 80s, who has been tracking this Russian gangster. And everyone thought the Punisher was doing it, but it was actually this other guy who doesn't have a Punisher-like name, but he was basically the same kind of character. And so they've teamed up in this miniseries to take this this gangster on, and we're reaching the end of that road as they they're fighting their way through his his soldiers and his men, and and we're finding more about the backstory about the the, the Soviet guy who I think has been a really interesting character. And uh, here there's a giant firefight with his mercenaries, and it ends with a helicopter blade through the Soviet Punisher, whose name is. Is it Pachenko? Paniski? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, that was another page turn where I was like, oh, shit. And then there's a you know a sweet final two pages as he dies talking to the Punisher. I, I thought this was a really great issue. 
I liked the bit where they're they're basically pinned under the truck and they're trying to get to the, the they called it a technical and things I've read, but it's a truck with a big machine gun mounted on the back. Mm-hmm. And they basically are like, there's no way to get there. And then tactically, that's the only option they have. So it's like, you know, you have to sacrifice. And so the guy does it. Again, like I felt like I this is probably this is the penultimate issue, I assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you gotta finish the story. But I kind of like I was it was kind of a bummer to see him go down since it was kind of his story. And now, you know, now the the next issue will be Frank, you know, avenging him and taking out all the bad guys that he wanted to, mm-hmm. which is what he does. He's the punisher. He loses somebody, he avenges them and punishes the people who were responsible for it, I know. But I wanted to see that other guy make it through. He was very interesting. So it was kind of a bummer in that way. And that's the tragedy. Yeah, but also, I mean, if I'm, I don't mean to pick your pick your pick apart. Mm-hmm. You know, it is a little by the numbers in terms of a Punisher story. Well, like yeah, that, that, that Punisher plot. stories are usually by the numbers, aren't they? Think? I know. Yes, I do. But the thing that I look to Garth Ennis for is is to sort of subvert that, and the way that he does it mostly is with characterization, which is why I love his work so much. Uh, and he didn't fail at that here. Um, it's been a really great series. If you're a Punisher fan, you should be reading it. Uh, Jason Burroughs' art is terrific. He's not someone that's outside of the realm of a Steve Dillon. And I know everyone consider, yeah. you know, thinks about Steve Dillon with, with, with the Punisher and Garth Ennis, but Burroughs has got more a little more life to his art. Steve Dillon's was a very specific style, which I loved, but it was very sort of stiff. Um, so there's, mm-hmm. a bit, there's a bit more action and adventure in this Jason Burroughs' art, but his faces are very much in that family. And so it doesn't seem that radical. An mm. idea, and he's been great. He's 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 worked with Ennis before. He did a great series called Three Hundred Three, which was a long time ago. He was an Avatar guy. Yeah, about soldier about you know it was another war comic, and, and he he did Moon Knight recently that we loved. So he's oh he's, yeah yeah he's terrific. And so I'm looking forward to the final issue. And then I'm always happy to have I'm you know we always joke about Garth Ennis's his tin cup going around to all the publishers who will pay mm-hmm. for my war comics, but I'm always happy to see him come back and do some. Punisher stuff, or just Marvel stuff in general that he uses to to examine other issues in the world, which is the best kind of writing. You know, and, and the White Knight here is editor Nick Lowe, I think, yeah. if we're really like who the hero of this is in terms of like, yeah, you come back, you know, and, you know, Ennis has a name, but he's, you know, he's not Jim Lee. He's not selling those. He's 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 getting by with his, his audience. I don't know. I haven't checked these numbers, but, you know, I think he's a niche thing now. Sure. Certainly, and, and like, I've feel like, you know, if you're our age, you were there in the Garth Ennis heyday. Yep. And so you were following that guy. If you're, you know, 10 years younger and you haven't read that Vertigo stuff, maybe you don't find yourself gravitating towards it. So it's, you know, it's not building, basically. And if you're 20 years younger, shut up. I agree. <laughs> you should shut up. So another, that was a pick league. Another great comic this week was Hawkeye, Free Fall number four, Matthew Rosenberg, Otto Schmidt, Joe Sabino, and... Last week's, I guess it was last week, two weeks ago, this was the pick of the week. And it continues with the cliffhanger. The last issue was Daredevil showing up. He's forming a team. He's got Winter Soldier and Falcon, who are now forever teamed at the hip. Night Thrasher from the New Warriors. And a bunch of other people come in later. I'm scrolling as fast as I can. D-Man and Mockingbird, which is his problem because she is Hawkeye's ex-wife. And U.S. Agent, who we just saw recently in Captain America. All to take on Ronan and the Hood. And hijinks ensue. And it was another another fun issue. Those are the, the Daredevil scene was funny when Clint suspects Daredevil's blind because he's wearing the Ronin costume, but Daredevil doesn't seem to acknowledge that. Also completely deflated the cliffhanger from the end of the last issue immediately, <laughs> which is not, not a complaint. I think 
I think uh, Rosenberg here, you know, there's a lot of plot and a lot of story bits in this. There just was. one thing after another. And, you know, there's the boy. I'm actually looking through it now. And he covered a lot of ground. Also, yeah. check out on your digital reader page 11. Mm-hmm. And this is when the hacker kid with the annoying hat comes in mm-hmm. and he finds the LMD in the old Goliath costume. Right. Which is funny. And then that next page is a ball of text. It's a lot. It's a lot. What I'm saying now is that normally that sucks. I didn't even notice until I was just looking through now. Yeah. Matthew Rosenberg writes very breezy dialogue. Yeah, he does. What I like about it is it's not, I guess it's, it's very, it's fun. It's very naturalistic, but it isn't like over the top where I guess it doesn't have that bendicism to it. It doesn't have that fractionism to it where you're like, I know who this person is. Right. And sometimes that works very well. He's really like he's just short of the line of like an affectation of the way that everybody's talking. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it it, it feels very naturalistic as opposed to yes. like a 55-year-old writer trying to write young people. Agree. This feels very like, oh, this is how – People talk now. He's probably been around a lot more of those kids right. like that, you know, than, than a lot of these other guys because of his his history in music and clubs and stuff like that. So I buy that. I, you know, like if I have any sort of lingering uh, concern, mm-hmm. I guess is the word, like I, I, I almost – I'm not sure if this is all a step too far for Clint. That's always been the concern we've talked about through this whole series is he's basically been – he's been dressing up as Ronan using this – magical device to travel is it an hour for an hour forward it's an hour an hour yeah. back either way that's how he's able to split himself into two people through this device and he uses ronin to robin hood basically he robs from mm-hmm. the bad guys and uses the money to build a community center but it's still he's still doing a lot of bad stuff so it's he's digging himself yeah. into a deep hole here all of that is fantastic in terms of drama and story and character conflict and all of that. But a little part of me is like, is he this stupid? Like, you, <laughs> yeah, know, you exactly. know what? Well, I would say that this is actually perfectly fitting with the character as he initially existed. I mean... Being stupid? No, I mean, like, literally he was, you know, masquerading as a criminal to get Tony Stark's attention so he could join the Avengers. Like, right. that was his first story. So it sure as heck fits with that. You know, right. there's a lot in here that shows that, you know do deeply understands who this character is in his history. However, you know, the whole thing about this character's arc is that he's been through a lot of stuff and he's learned a lot and it isn't that he got so serious, but for a while he was real capable, you know, Mm -hmm. he was a student of cap and it seems like we've turned the clock back on that to sort of make him this, this guy again. I don't know if that's bad, but it is a little cognitive dissonance for me, I suppose. Like I'm like, well, hasn't he passed this? But that's also that's comics, you know. Like I, like now that I'm laying it out, I can't really complain about it. It's 100 percent keeping in what the core of that character was. I'm so glad Otto Schmidt's still drawing this. Yeah, I don't mean to gloss over that at all, but we did talk about it last time. It is lovely to look at. You talk about the pages being full of dialogue. Its pages are full of life and and mm-hmm. detail. It's great. And if you're <laughs> someone who watches Saturday Night Live when John Mulaney hosts and thinks, "Wow, those musical numbers are really New York specific." Uh-huh. I've got a New York specific joke for you. Yes. On page 12 of your digital reader, when Hawkeye's on the subway, I was like, wow, that's a very New York specific joke. The first G train to arrive in Brooklyn in an hour. <laughs> first of all, I am still of the. This, again, if you are not from the New York City area or have not lived there for any amount of time, you can skip ahead about 
I'm gonna say 20 seconds. <laughs> uh, I believe the G train is a myth. <laughs> I, I have always held that. Here's why I, I don't. Not. Here's why I don't. I have the opposite reaction because when I used to live on the F line. Again, use the 15 second bump up here. I used to live on the <laughs> F line for years, and it was the only train that on that station. And then they at some point added the G train, and then it became oh the train's coming. Oh no, it's the fucking G. It was like the F never came. It was only the G. So I had the opposite problem in which I always needed a different train, but it was always the G train showing up. And it was a half-size train. So when the few times you actually needed the G train, then you had to go fucking running down the, the platform because it was only half the size of the regular train. Connor, that was a phantom train. There is no G train. <laughs> Anytime I've, I ever – like because the G- – <laughs> You're right. There was an old-timey man in the Civil War beard driving it. Oh, wait. Well, no, that was just a Brooklyn thing. Because theoretically – all right, let's go ahead and skip forward a little more. Getting from Queens to Brooklyn mm-hmm. is is the ultimate transport nightmare. It scenario. should be easy. It should be very easy. It's the same landmass right there. But let's be honest. At the time when all that was being built, there was not an economic reason to do that. Sure. The people were poor. There was no reason you're going to go into Manhattan back out. So the the G train, were it real, seems like sure. it would be a good way to take care of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It cut no time off the journey. You could literally ride a bike from Queens to Brooklyn. I mean, you certainly in less wouldn't time. drive. Take the BQE. Well, and that's the that's the other option. And I can tell you that it's only if you're into punishing yourself. Previously, from my house to Connor's, <laughs> I mapped this is was seven miles. Yeah, because I, I lived in Brooklyn. You lived in Queens. Right. So I could ride a bike in seven miles in about twenty minutes. I want to say <laughs> twenty five minutes. Yeah. I have been regularly. On the road from my house to Connor's or vice versa, two and a half, three hours. Back when we were doing the video show and we were, and we were dra- mm-hmm. making that drive. Yeah, it was awful. This is what you get when there's no books to talk about. Uh-huh. You, you, uh-huh. Get, you get real specific New York transportation discussion. Anyway, I like Hawkeye. <laughs> but, wait, but here's the thing, though. Yeah. If, if you don't know what this is, you're like, this is a waste of time. If you do know this little bit of conversation – for whatever the five percent of our audience that does, they're loving this. This is this is premium stuff for them. Maybe even one or two of them is is hearing it while sitting in traffic on the BQE, which they're never going to fix. And it's going to fall into the river. <laughs> and 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 fine. Let it die. Burn it. Anyway, let's move along. I, I literally had a car go go <laughs> bad on me because of regularly driving on the BQE. Like I had, it, it died yeah, because of the, the the road damage. It should still be here. I hated the car. I don't want to still be driving it, but it should still be here. Is that a Robert Moses road? It must be. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. Superman 21, Brian Michael Bendis, <laughs> Ivan Reese, Joe Prado, and Eau Claire, Albert, Alex Sinclair, Dave Sharp. Big fight with Mongol. This book was sort of a whole wacky thing. It was a lot. Go- it was like, I kind of didn't remember how we got here because there's been a lot of Superman. Yeah. And... And then there's a lot of different Lois Lane sort of stories going on. And then I, so I had to sort of orient myself. I was, all right, this is the main one that's about him revealing himself. And then he goes to deal with the, what is it, the, the League of Planets? The formation of the League of Planets or whatever right. the name is. And this is the new Mongol who killed his father, old Mongol, oh. before. But it's not, an, it's not as big thing because that's just, I guess that's what's constantly happening. Although I don't remember that ever happening before, but... The idea in the story is that the son of Mongol always kills Mongol to become Mongol. Anyway, it's a big fight because Mongol came to destroy the League of Planets, and he went to their first meeting and busted it up. Meanwhile, 
more shenanigans on Earth because Superman revealed his identity. Yeah, and then a character from Powers shows up on the last page. Well, that's she's a longtime DC character. I know, but the way that she's dressed and is yeah, sort yeah, of that's, well, she's yeah. I can't I can't say no, but also she's that's not unusual for her. But yes, the FBI tends to not dress like the keyboardist from the Cars. <laughs> she she used to be DEO. She was the she, right. she had her own book for a while too. No shit. Yeah. Yeah, this was big action Superman stuff for a while, which mm-hmm. I don't really so much. I was like, should this be an action comics? No, I didn't. I didn't think that. But you know, it was like four or five, five double page spreads in a row of sort of this fight. It was just a lot going on, and not necessarily in a bad way. But the thing that I really liked, the mm-hmm. best part is that he calls in the Justice League. Yeah. To be like, I need some help, and the Justice League is like, you need to go home. And he's like, but he goes, now nah, we got this, this, and that's like a rule. Right. Wonder Woman's rule. Is you know we had this conversation long ago. There's always someone who needs your help, but sometimes you can't help if you need help yourself. Which is like, I mean, it's it's like uh, self care, internet philosophy one hundred and one. Right. But also, I think it's a thing that people need to hear. And it was like it was nice to see Superman do that. And as he's flying away, well, that's that's that, the that, that's the reason to talk about this issue in my book. I don't mm-hmm. know what's happening here, but because he lost his cape in the fight with Mongol, got destroyed. Uh, Why is he in the rope? What's the rope? I don't know, he's flying home and. A very casual-looking robe. I don't know. He looks why. so serene in that second panel. Know. That must be some really nice microfiber. I don't know why. I don't know why he needs it, other than it looks comfy. Uh-huh. But he's in he's in the vacuum of space. I don't know how that negates any does, kind of comfort level in a robe. But does he get old? <laughs> is it like is it like being outside when it's forty degrees for him to be in hard vacuum? Or listen, I was wearing a robe yesterday. It was it was fifty nine degrees. Every t- every once in a while, I remember that I have one for like those really cold days of the year, and it's a, it's a godsend. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "What is happening?" But it was it was so funny. I hope we, we see the robe again. So I hope we see Chaz's beard. But you know, there's a lot of great things. I hope we see Chaz again. That's all I know. So yeah, I mean, the thing is, like in the last issue, we we met a rival paper who was all pissed off that about the announcement of Clark Kent. So they come and ambush. Lois Lane, 1980s, 60 Minutes style, at her door with a camera crew, because I guess the paper has a camera crew. Well, they would now. And they try to get some information out of her, and she stonewalls them. And then she has a nice conversation with the cameraman. That was the best part of it, though, was that like she's the journalist, and then she talks to them because she knows them, because they're yeah. colleagues. Yeah. And there's you know, the, there's the resentment about, like, we got to compete with you when your husband is Superman, and Clark, you know, like, I like that. I think that's really good. And then the way that she talks to the you know, the cameraman who's like, listen, I'll tell you. And then at the end, she's like, can you email me that? And he's like, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he kept a profession. You've won two Emmys. And he's like, Emmys don't pay the bill. It's like, jeez, that's good. Like, that, there was some really nice moments in this. And then, you know, finally, uh, Joe Prado and, and inking team. Well, Joe Prado was one of the inkers. It was uh, Ivan Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Adam, or Ivan Reese, sorry. Boy, this was like an old school sort of bang them up every page. Oh, there's a lot here. To the brim. Yeah, yeah really, you know. If you're into this type of comic, and and not my favorite, but I can certainly appreciate it, you know, there's there's several pages of sort of no dialogue, fight in space. It's pretty damn impressive. Classic Bendis. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Pretty good. So, do you like extended New York City talk? <laughs> if not, then you should become a patron over Patreon.com. Uh, I fanboy and let us know, and we will take your opinion slightly more seriously. Not but true. we'll probably still talk about it. No, it's not true. This is a sales pitch, Connor. I'm oh, sorry. I don't want anyone else to feel bad. 
Everyone's welcome here. This is like over on Star Wars Minute when people complain about the toys. They, the people complain when they talk about the toys, but I honestly don't know how you would talk about Star Wars as an overall experience without talking about the toys. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know how you're going to talk to us and give us a tiny nugget in a comic book about the G-Train and not expect five minutes out of that in a light week. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, this is what you signed up for. So listen, we have reached our, mon- our next stretch goal after a fashion. A generous benefactor has come along at, at the – what's the level? What do we call it? It was the eccentric – Benefactor level, I think. I, th- I believe that's correct. Yeah. Who will be joining us on this program in April? At some point in the yeah in the future. The other part of that stretch goal is is that we were to upload all of the missing video shows and minis to YouTube and re-embed them on the website. If it doesn't drop down below the the stretch goal level in the next month for some reason, then we will do that. But I suspect this will be a one-time blip, and really for that amount of work, uh, we really want it to be a sustainable thing. Right, and as the other part was the uh, all-media show, which we're going to be right. recording, and, and, and you'll get this month. Yep, absolutely. Yes. So there will be that. There will be the guest on the show. But, you know, in addition to all of that, you know, everybody else uh, who is supporting the show on a regular ongoing basis, whether it's a one-time thing or, you know, like like even the little bits that, that you've got to do, man, do we appreciate that. And we appreciate it uh, now, you know, more than ever because, you know, things are stretched. And if, also, if it doesn't work for you, we're still going to do the show. We don't know how to stop. Uh, but for the people who do, the people who take the the time, the effort, and 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 care about it enough to be patrons, uh, we really appreciate that. If you're interested in that kind of thing, you can go over to Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy uh, and join that crew. Uh, and we they all uh, get the chance to uh, get a patron power at uh, five dollars and over a month. And there's the monthly hangout, which is always a really good time, and very likely to hear more transit talk. Which is happening this next coming weekend? No, today, yes. today. Yes. It's happening today. If you're listening to the show live when it comes yes. out, today's the hangout day. And, you know, it's sort of a safe function uh, with lots of people, but you don't have to worry about anything uh, right. getting infected or touching. We will not. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just we will not it's touch you. weird about germs, so it's a, it's a safe zone to, to have a socialized hour with no chance of contamination. I got to say, I do not get weird about germs, and <laughs> I kind of pride myself on that, and I'm going through a little existential crisis. You're supposed to yes and that, Josh. I know. I know. I know. But just like as a thing, that's – yeah, I get weird about germs. Sorry. No, no. You, 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 you're an outdoorsman. Yeah. Not anymore, buddy. Say that you want to celebrate what we do with a t-shirt or some other tchotchke. God, we're only a part two of this. Let's hurry it up. Yeah. Go over to ifanboy.threadless.com. There's seven designs over there. If there was ever a time to get the GDAT shirt, my friends, oh my God. it is now. Oh, it yes. We, now. I was going to mention that. This is a patron thing. It came from our hangout, the GDATs, the great goddamn American treasures. The, the, the first GDAT was Tom Hanks. Is Tom Hanks? I'm sorry. The, the, the patron saint of, of iFanboy and the larger iFanboy universe. He's in a bad way, but he's handling it with aplomb. He's handling it with humor. He has loved ones around him. He has his uh, weird shirtless tattooed son. He has uh, he has Australia. Which and I'm now he should have you in a GDAT t-shirt featuring exactly. a, a tribute to him. So check it out and, at com. And listen, if he needed proceeds to go to him, we would be fine with sending GDAT proceeds to he him. He doesn't, though. I mean, right now it wouldn't even cover shipping. But <laughs> <laughs> that's where we're at. 
So finally, if uh, none of that is okay for you, but you're like, what can I do? Just a quick, easy thing. Go over to ifanboy.com slash support. There's a PayPal link. Then over at ifanboy.com slash Amazon, you can get links to buy all of the stuff on the site, like Booksplodes and the Pick of the Weeks and the books we talk about, the Talksplodes, things like that. Or it's just a general link to Amazon, where I'm pretty sure they're going to initiate that drone program soon. <laughs> oh. Thanks to everyone who does that. We appreciate it. It helps keep the lights on. I wanted to very, very briefly mention Young Justice 14, Brian Michael Bendis, and new co-writer David Walker, who was his co-writer on Naomi. I don't know if this is an ongoing thing or just this one issue. Featured art from John Timms and Michael Avon Oming. In this issue, the Young Justice team meets up with a sort of the alternate team featuring like Aqualad and Arrowette and Spoiler. And Spoiler is Tim Drake's girlfriend, Stephanie Brown. They haven't seen each other since he's been off on these adventures, so they have their reunion in the middle of a big fight. And she's, the first thing she says to him is, that outfit is a no. <laughs> first of all, yes, great observation spoiler. But second of all, kind of strange thing to say in a comic where you've introduced the outfit and you want people to like it. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means they, they want to get rid of it or what. But his girlfriend st- very pointedly says, that outfit is a no. So I don't know. What I mean, gonna... it's... It's what we're all thinking. It's what everyone's thinking. Even people mm-hmm. who don't read the book vaguely feel it. Yeah. In the back of their minds, they're like, I don't think that outfit's good. I don't know what it looks like, but I just feel that way. Yeah. That's all I want I to mention that. about it. I have no idea, but I feel that way. Just on just You've on seen photos. Merit. You saw it in the Superman book. You sent me a picture yeah, of it. But I don't think about it. I let it go. This week's grossest moment came from the Dollhouse family, number five. More specific. In which the afterbirth all right. becomes okay. the Dollhouse. Yep, yep. Yeah, there's another example of me not remembering something almost purposefully. <laughs> that's true. I think this is also the penultimate issue of this story, I believe. I don't know that's true. Really? I don't know. I, I, I no think idea. I had just assumed this was an ongoing thing. But I it, just that assume makes everything sense. is six issues at this point. I just assume. It's vertigo, so I thought, if yeah, you, you're if right. You, if you know us, we know that we never know when the series is ending. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just saying that. I'm just saying words that may have no truth to them. They're just coming out, and I'm not stopping them. I'm really only used to stories like this from Mike Carey lasting, like, years. Right. Maybe they will. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm still – how do you say enchanted, but when it's a bad thing? Not bad, like, bad, but, like, a horror thing? You're drawn to it. Yes. In a repulsive way. It's like a car wreck. No, because <laughs> it's not a bad book. It's good book. Really good characters with very interesting and somewhat insurmountable problems that are hooked into – a history that's pretty interesting. The lady, you know, like she takes action because her daughter has been stolen by the dollhouse and she has to deal with it. And she knows, you know, she can't tell anybody what's actually going on, which is paralleled by the story in the Outsider TV show. There's a very funny Back to the Future joke mm-hmm. in here as she opens up an old lockbox in the bank, safety deposit box. What's her name? What is her name? I don't know. What uh... Nope, doesn't matter. Main character woman. She Not a real person, so we're not being... She goes investigating, as Josh said, to find out where her daughter might be at the dollhouse. So she finds an old box, which has been there since the 1800s. It's got a cool old revolver in it and a diary in which she finds out some more information about the dollhouse. She goes to the pub, has a pint. No, she does a shot, actually. And then goes to the house where her ancestors lived, where the dollhouse came from. And that's where she sort of witnesses history... As the afterbirth, whose afterbirth was that? The demon spawn, isn't it? Like the the maid takes it downstairs to burn it in the furnace, a giant giant furnace, 
and instead it jumps Big off, house. It jumps off the plate and lands on the ground and morphs into the dollhouse. And I was like, ugh. Ugh. Yeah. ugh. You just smell that. And then she talks to a cat and we're done. <laughs> I liked it. It was good. Yeah, but we find out that she is actually the owner of this house because she's the the sole remaining heir, you know, of this this place. Oh, the tax issues. Yeah, that's true. Especially in England and Ireland. Oh right, I thought they were in England. She went to Ireland. She's oh, in County Wicklow. I missed that part. I went back. Yeah, no, because remember the guy was in, in Ireland who that's went right. into the cave right. and had sex you're, with the demon. You're right. You're right. There's a lot of Irish people who live in England. True. That's a thing. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I was I was just thinking about that thing again. I did flip to it, and I I don't know if I'd glossed over it the first time. I definitely saw it, but now that I looked at it in detail, I went, Ugh, and I was like, I bet that room smells bad. So, yeah. So that was, yeah. So let's go to Star Wars corner. Let's get out of this corner. Yeah. With the afterbirth dollhouse in it, and uh, talk about Star Wars books, multiple books. Yeah, real week. quick. I want to yeah. talk about Darth Vader number two. I had talked about the first one before. This is a uh, Greg Pak uh, with art by. Here we go. Rafael Ienco. A lot of Italian artists. That's the wave right now. I, you know what I did was I did the little the little chef's kiss okay symbol. Mm-hmm. And when I said his last name, I swooped it outwards. Mm. Ienco, right. uh, if you can picture that. So you may remember or not that the final page reveal of the last issue was, hey, it's Padme uh, face-to-face with Darth Vader. Uh, I don't remember that, but sure. Well, that was the thing. That's mm-hmm. your spoiler. And here comes the next spoiler. You're thinking, well, how can this be possible? And it turns out that it's uh, it's uh, Sabe. Oh, you right. I remember. Kira Knightley? Is that who that was? Yeah. So it realizes he's not quite looking at Padme, but she's like on Team Padme. And she's right. trying to get revenge on who did this to her. And Darth Vader the whole time is having flashbacks to his time uh, with Padme, which I believe happened in episodes two and three, which may or may not also be myths. You know... It was a little have your cake and eat it too. For some reason, the only ongoing characters that are any fun on a consistent basis in all of this new Star Wars stuff are the droids. So in this one is a um, is an Imperial interrogation droid that kind of looks like Wally's head with a body. Okay. And he's pretty fun. Do you like this book? No, I don't think. <laughs> the last one I was sort of intrigued what they were going to do. But really whenever they start to get into the prequel stuff, I kind of I kind of lose. Oh, for sure. That's because you're, you're a right-thinking human being. Exactly. However, I think the art was really pretty strong for the kind of Star Wars book. I've never seen this artist or know about him, but it really strides the line between cartooning and, I was going to say photorealism, but likenesses. Mm-hmm. Like, like, it's a really strong, you know, it's, it's this woman who basically looks like Padme, who we all know what she looks like, you know, and she's older. You know, she's, she's getting into probably middle, middle age. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really good likeness. I think it's a really good drawing. I think the art really strides a line uh, of where it needs to be quite nicely. Also, it's a really good Darth Vader where you get the sense of the uh, the sort of wrinkly fabric, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, around the armory and, and the cloak stuff. And I, and I like that, too, which sort of it harkens back to sort of the feeling of what Darth Vader looked like in the movie originally. Whereas, you know, a lot of times now he's drawn like a superhero. Right. So if you don't like it, are you going to keep reading Darth Vader? <sighs> I did not like the first issue, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think it's bad, if that makes sense. Like, I don't – I'm not like, oh, this is garbage. It's not that. I just don't think I'm terribly interested in this story. Right. I've really enjoyed the Darth Vader stuff just in general. It's been sure. kind of interesting because one thing that all of them 
all of them have pretty much done is they didn't turn Darth Vader into anything else. You know, they didn't like try to make him more complex or more deep. He's a he's a he's a driven dude who's pretty much soulless. And the only thing that's ever affected him was Padme, which is established. It's fine. Like he loved her. And and he's looking back over things. And because his face is always that that mask, there's no emotion. There's nothing you can do with it. You know, every look can be meaningful if you take the words away. You know, we saw that in the movies. Yep. And it's kind of a fun thing to play with because you never quite know where he's coming from or what he's going to do. You know, but he's a force of nature. I think that's interesting, and I think it's been handled well. Moving on, mm-hmm. this is going to be a less involved review. Star Wars Bounty Hunters number one, our pal Ethan Sachs, uh, and when I say our pal, I don't know him. We've just liked comics that he's done before. Seems to be getting fed Star Wars jobs over there mm-hmm. uh, because for some reason they've decided that he's not ready for Marvel proper. Why? I don't know. Or maybe he's not interested. I don't know why that's not happening. But this is going to be the place where he, he uh, writes his meal ticket. And, mm-hmm. and fair enough. Star Wars Bounty Hunters, as you might suspect, it has several Star Wars Bounty Hunters in it. Bosk featuring heavily. Boba Fett's in this one. Any Dangar? I don't think so. That would have been more intriguing. I got about halfway through it and I was just like, I do not care. Wow. Yeah. I've, I wow. was. Wow. Yeah. I You're mean, like it was a you know, fan. You're a Bounty Hunters fan. Um, no, I'm a fan of the, uh, the, the one scene in the movie. <laughs> we used to read the books. And that book. That was the other thing. Tales of the Bounty Hunter was a great book. But I don't, I don't, I don't need a Bosque adventure. And I don't, <laughs> I, I just, and then there was other characters. I didn't know who anybody was. And I just was like, I don't, I don't, I do not care. And this is on a light week, too. Do you not like the Mandalorian? I do, but that's not the same thing. That's and similar. also, it's really good. <laughs> wow. Wow. All right. I mean, listen, you're not going to like everything. Again, not even saying it was bad. I just could not muster up the interest. So those are the books we wanted to talk about. Patreon.com slash iFanboy is where you go to join up and vote to add a book to the rundown, as Josh mentioned earlier. And this week, it was a dogfight between three books. And the winner turned out to be Decorum Number 1, Image Comics, Jonathan Hickman, Mike Huddleston, Russ Wooten. This is Hickman's latest image sci-fi book. Did this feel like a punishment to you? Yep. Reading it? Okay. I did my best. But if you go to a restaurant that gets amazing reviews and you do not like any of the meals past the starters, going to that same restaurant is going to have the same effect. Hickman's really – I mean you've never really liked his indie stuff or even his mainstream stuff anyway. But I have very specific reasons for that. I, and I've, I I've enjoyed his image work for the most part. This felt super Hickman-y. Like, there was a lot of breaks for text and exp- explanations and histories. And, and I don't know why I like this stuff in novel form, but in comics form, it's really hard for me. I don't know why that is. It's because it, it – I mean, that – unless it's really well done, which has happened a few times. Terry Moore is really good at that for some reason. It breaks your pacing. Yeah. I think it is hard to read a comic book where you're going through the pages at a certain pace and then you have to stop and read unimaginably small text right. that has been designed to look cool rather than to read easy. It's like driving down the road and putting the brakes on. It's like you know, like an audio tour or something. Like, it doesn't – and also it's a shortcut that is not entertaining. I'm sure there's lots of people that really like this, like hard sci-fi fans. Maybe. Can you tell me what it's about? No, I couldn't tell you anything about it. That's the, my main problem was – so the first part, the opening segment – first of all, I want to – I liked a lot the Mike Huddleston art. He does 
and he employed a lot of different styles here. I liked them all. He, he opens with a painterly style, and then it becomes more comic booky as it goes. Along. I just I thought it was terrific looking, but the cover features this woman in black, and I, I remember seeing a blurb about it saying it was about this female assassin. And but the opening segment is basically a play on the Spanish invasion of of the Americas. Mm-hmm. With like robot conquistadors, robot conquistadors, and natives who have white ray guns, and it went on so long, and there was no explanation for it. That by the time I got to the big text break, I was like, "Is the book over?" And I'd forgotten about the assassin woman. So then, after I kept scrolling through the maps and the maps and the maps and the histories, and I was like, "Oh right, there's." A lot more here, and there's the main story, and I was just like, I don't even know what's happening. I don't know the worlds. I don't know what's going on. I don't, I don't know. In novels, you have a lot more time to spend fleshing out this stuff, and in comics, you don't have the page real estate for it. And so, when it's this impenetrable, it's really tough. Really tough. And it's not okay. I don't think this was good. I didn't either. I, I've been been loving his X Men work, and I usually love his stuff. Not to say, like, what I just said before, like, I don't think it's bad, but it's not for me. Like, I don't think this is good. And I think it's leaning way too heavy. I got to the bits, and I'm like, I get it. Your text pages all have this design. They look this way. But I have seen this show. Mm-hmm. And I never liked it. And now I really feel like I appreciate things that don't feel the need to spoon feed the consumer. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd like, you know, the the wire or something like that where you have to stick around and you get rewarded or whatever. But if it feels like that's never coming and the whole thing has this weird, you know, enigmatic, you know, ambiguous feeling going on, I don't know what to get out of this. At least when it was like, what was the one about all the project Manhattan, the Manhattan projects, right? I love that one. Yeah. Like it looked great. It had historical figures and it was kind of crazy. You know, it had something to latch onto and this felt like a mishmash of stuff that is not interesting that I've seen in other places before. And I'm, I'm going to go one further, and I'm really sorry about this. Mike Huddleston is a fantastic visual artist. I, I love the styles. I love the, all the different things that are going on. I don't think he's a heck of a storyteller. Hmm. And I don't know that that has a lot to do with sort of the way that the script was or whatever, but most of the stuff that I've seen from him, which doesn't come off that often, it's a little hard to follow. And it's stylism over storytelling. And I think in comics, that's not okay, for the most part. I find the harder sci-fi that Hickman goes, the less I like it and the less I follow it. Well, it's not fun. Yeah. I mean, he's had the, there was that book about the cloning one. I mean, there was a period of time in that early image boom, the latest early image boom, where he did like four or five miniseries for Image. Yeah. And the more grounded in reality, I think the, the better they were. I feel like he has this world in his head, clearly. Yeah. With yeah. all these maps and histories and everything, but he hasn't done a good job of laying it out in such a way that you you can follow it and or want to enjoy it. I mean, there was one, yeah. two, three, four, four maps in the middle that were explaining locations of things. I didn't follow a single thing. Like I don't know what these things are. There's no context for them, and it's right. like a study guide for the beginning, and you have to remember that stuff, which is dry. Yeah. You know, it's a bunch of science fiction gobbledygook names, and that might be really fun for a person doing it and world building. And and clearly, there's an audience for the stuff that he's doing. But I'm I'm you know I saw this coming a long time ago. 
and I was never in to begin with. Like, there's a ton of talent on display here, but it is unfocused. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, because I was like, oh, another because he's he hasn't done this in a while. Uh-huh. Uh You know, an, an image book. He's been working at Marvel so much, and so I was like, oh, that'll be interesting. And then because I really love the Manhattan Projects, and a couple of other mm-hmm. ones, the Red Red Mask. Did you finish Mars. it? I have the I moved, I moved to trade them, and I have the trades here. Okay. Um, and I've made a concerted effort in the last month to finish my stack of trades. Mm-hmm. I read three of them over the weekend from my like my like two foot stack of trades I had built up over the years. Right. And so I'm making a concerted effort to get rid of them. Not get rid of them, but get rid of them from that stack. So I'm going to get yeah. to them. Red Master Mars, I remember liking okay. I can't remember the other ones, which there was the, the the horseman of the apocalypse one. Oh, I didn't like that one east of west i didn't like that one yeah, yeah. Felt, that felt like this to me yeah it's just it's too enigmatic he's just, he has this in his head and i don't know he's just he's just not getting it out i don't know yeah so let's ratings on it ratings on ratings. decorum number one out of five i'm gonna give it a two I did, I did like the art i can give it a two from an, an objective standpoint but for me it was like a one or but like I just but I mean that's not unknown but I think that this was one it solidified to me that like I don't think this is just me I think mm-hmm. this has problems right and I and I yeah and I guess we're not sticking with it uh, no I barely I, I barely, <laughs> I was barely right. sticking with it at the end <laughs> all right so patreon.com slash ifanboy that's where you can go everyone is a patron can vote out of the book to the rundown there was a very lively discussion on the patron page this week about how the patron votes made as per an email from one of the patrons. And then if you give it the $5 or higher level, you get your own superpower live on the show. Let's mm-hmm. do it. Uh, Eric McIntosh has the power. He has sails that pop out of his shoulders. Hmm. And were he to be in a boat or have roller skates or something like that, he could, uh, he could harness the power of wind for thrust. Oh. They're fully adjustable sails. There's... Mizzens and main sheets, and you can they can be luffed. I don't is, know what these words mean. He is the full complement of sails. Yes, yes, and right. and you know his his body can act like uh, like able seaman, able to uh, manipulate those sails. He does not have a tiny Russell Crowe who directs them, but sure. in his mind, maybe he does. He might want to hook up with Brett beside Matthews. Mm-hmm. If he sat on Brett beside Matthews's back. They'd form a formidable team because Brett beside Matthews' hands and feet turn into surfboards. Hmm. I think that Not works. Not full-size surfboards, but the size of his hands and feet. Uh-huh. And if they could figure out a way to stay above the waves, they could sail. I'm picturing that cartoon where the kid turns into a car, mm. which is still one of the creepiest animations I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Do you know what that's called? No. Okay. You know what I'm talking but, about? But they could sail together. Fair take, enough. Take to the That's waves. Nice. If not, take to the Brett can, can just surf. He doesn't That's need nice. to remember to bring his board. But he has no propulsion, though, so he does need to no, no, ride the, the currents. The waves would have to be his propulsion. Right. The sea. Fair enough. Take to the sea. Fair enough. Anthony Nichols. Anthony Nichols has, uh, has moisturizing hands. So if, you're, if you have dry skin uh-huh. or your pet has cracked paws, paw pads, whatever, uh, Anthony will lay hands on you. And it will moisturize that skin with, with to the aloe? appropriate level. With, with the, whatever the sunscreen, it, the end, it feels good. No, not sunscreen. That's a different property. No, no, but We're, you know, there's moisturizer with sunscreen in it. Yeah, 
That's true, but that's all that it does. It's a moist. And now it's it's crucial here. He doesn't have clammy hands. They're mm-hmm. not gross hands. Just he's transport. He's he's fixing the amount of moisture in your skin. Is his skin always perfectly moisturized, or is it just? Yeah. Oh yeah. Ab- absolutely. Looks like he just he just has exactly the right right amount of cocoa butter around. People are always like, Anthony. Have you been to the spa? He just no. he just looks healthy. There's no ashiness about him. No sure. no eczema. None of that sort of alligator skin kind of thing. Uh huh. In the winter, he's a godsend. Because no matter what I do, <laughs> right. I'm bathing in this stuff. Yep. Nigel Lang, um, he sound, doesn't sound American, so this may be this may not work, but we'll have to deal with it. So you know the uh, the fabled citizens arrest. Yes, the p- people which, claim exists, but I don't. Which think is it really not exists. a thing, is yeah. it? Like that's like quicksand. Like that was a thing that existed in <laughs> movies for a time, but isn't real. Nigel can issue citizens tickets. <laughs> they are legally binding. Oh man, I want that power. It's only for real and inf- like legal infractions. It can't be like you're annoying. Here's a ticket. So like, but... <sighs> or like you you cut me off in line. Here's a ticket. It's like that guy blew through the stop sign. Right. Ticket. Does he have to go stop the person and issue a ticket? Because that's a problem. Because if you have cop lights, somebody will pull over for you. But if he's just like pull over, <laughs> he's, he's got to follow him at the next stop, <laughs> the next stoplight, run up to his car. And hand him his ticket. I mean, that sounds dangerous. Well, you know, that's life for a lawman. Yeah. I mean, I would like that. At that point, really, what is the practical difference between him and a lawman? <laughs> well, he's, so wait a minute. So wait a minute. As far as I can tell, he's basically a parking meter. He's a, he's a, he's a, well, but he can give moving, moving violations or other, uh-huh. other things. Right. Infractions that don't come, rise to the level of arrest, mm-hmm. that are just tickets. Yeah, mm-hmm. he could do that. Fair enough. Fair enough. What I can tell you is that those were two spur of the moment <laughs> things because you said, Josh, it's your turn. And I went, oh, no. <laughs> so thanks to Eric, Brett, Anthony, Nigel, patreon.com slash ifanboy. That's where you can get your superpower live on the show sometimes. And I don't know where we are in the time, but we're going to do all three of these emails just because okay. we're falling behind on the emails. Mike H. from Buffalo, New York. A few years ago, I remember Josh saying how comics are some of the most talented people to ever work in the industry currently working, and at the time, I, I agreed. Now, though, I can't help but find most of the newer crop of writers to be not ready for primetime players and a large smattering of artists who clearly get by on fast turnaround and inexpensive page rates. Do you agree? And if so, what caused this drop in quality over the past few years? I have ideas. We don't know, but we're going to speculate, and my speculation is... Double shipping has not helped. I think that is the main reason, for sure. It's given less, yeah. I mean, basically, you've had to turn out twice as much product and, you know, as much as you would like to think that the imagination is, you know, limitless, and for some people it might be, there's going to be times where that's got to ship. That's got to go. you got to get the script to people, and so you're going to do your best, but obviously with half the time to work on it and twice as much stuff to put out, that you're going to feel that. And Otto Schmidt can't do it all. Well, I mean, there's, there's, that's also a, a couple of things. You want to kill Otto Schmidt? <laughs> Is that it? You want to kill him? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Well, <laughs> well, you know, there's that. And, and I, you know, I think there are other larger things happening. Is that when we first started, you know what? Th- there are a lot of good artists. And I think that 
there are a lot who aren't as great, but that's just filling in space. But I think overall percentage, we're still seeing more great and varied art than we've ever seen. We're also seeing more substandard art because, you know, these units have got to move. Right. So that's a sort of double-edged sword. You know, I don't think that this generation of writers in comics have had a lot to work with either. They have not experienced sort of the creative freedom. Yeah, they're in a different world now than, than we, when we started this show. When we started this show, we were lucky. And the writers in comics were lucky because comics were in a bad place. Marvel has, was, you know, bankrupt. You know, everybody's rebuilding. coming it. out of bankruptcy yeah. in 2000. We were, that's when we started doing this. And basically, it was one of those times. And Joe Quesada and Jimmy Palmiotti and then Karen Berger, you know, these are the people sort of responsible for this. They said, let's get these really talented people and give them rope. And then that, for a while, became the standard. And also, they they were off. Comics were off on their own. We're talking about Marvel and DC because that's the seventy-five yeah. percent of the market. They were off on their own. You know, DC, Warner Brothers owned DC, but Paul Levitz, the president of DC at the time, his he saw his main job as keeping a firewall between DC and Warner Brothers, which is no longer exists, obviously. And Marvel was its own entity. It wasn't owned by Disney. It was it was its own company. So they were. It was all everyone was working for themselves, and now it's they're they're working for synergy between the media markets. So it's a different it's a different market. It's a different world. There's a lot less experimentation. There's a lot less. We, we should publish this book because it's interesting and good, as opposed to services, mm-hmm. a movie, or. And to be fair, I think you know in terms of sort of funding and you know where they're gonna put their resources, there's a lot more eyeballs on them. Mm-hmm. You know. And also, they have not been rewarded. They've lost money, you know, for for saying this book is interesting and good for the most part. So people are more gun shy because, of, but you know, everything's tightened. Everybody, right? There's a lot of reasons for it. And I don't think it's necessarily has to do with talent, although I do think because of the churn, you are letting people in who are not seasoned as much. However, you know, in the past, there really was a precedent of like somebody would do one good thing and they'd be like, "Here's the X Men," you know, right. And and they're doing that too, but they're not. Yeah, I know they're not ready in a lot of sense. But also, there's a lot of reasons. Yeah, I think one of the big ones is that there's twice as much product. I mean, that that's that's the biggest. And just not that, enough people. That and the sort of just the economic structures of everything is, is really these are secondary to the other media, and that's never been the case before. So they have to follow that. Speculating totally, I don't know that you have a generation growing up who wants to make comics in the same way that. They did twenty yeah. years ago, thirty. That's a re- years that's ago. a really good point. I think they're making web comics. I think they're making you know YA books, manga, and children's books. I mean, I, there's obviously some people coming in. There's obviously always new people coming in. But I don't know that you have it as a generational thing. That was that was quite the same way. When I was a kid, everyone read comics and wanted to make them. And now it's I don't know if that's the truth. I, don't I think know. that's a really good. I, th- I mean, the the other thing is, I think it depends on how old you are, or you know, like what at least what generation you tend to relate to. Is that that the nature of entertainment and media sort of changes as you go through those. And you're sort of used to the way that again, early two thousands, a bunch of gen X guys, you know, it's just got a different feeling. They were coming out of a different media landscape than we are now. Now, so much of there's a, there's so much literally I turned on Netflix this morning and I haven't really looked for anything for a week or two. And I was like, where the fuck did all this stuff come from? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I mean, and, and so you're, just the idea of how we consume and look at media is different. It's all more, it's a sh- there's short bites and there's a million options. And 
I think it can be really hard to find your voice in that or to find your influences or, you know, and, and if there are influences, they're different influences. And if you're us growing up in the way that we did and, you know, Connor and I have degrees in television, like we study this stuff and shit has changed, you know, and that's all part of it. Yep. You know, again, so it's, it's almost like it's not bad. It's just a different thing. It's all that stuff. It could be a lot of things. It's an interesting question. The next one on the script that is behind this thing is from Tim H. of Pittsburgh, PA. He said, I thought about this question when I used to watch the CW Flash series, and I decided to finally ask it after hearing you discuss the Flash number 750. I've never read a solo Flash comic, and I finally want to jump in. Where should I start? For context, my favorite corner of mainstream comics is Spider-Man, especially Jerry Conway and Roger Stern, and my all-time favorite DC comic is New Frontier. I want to uh, commend – this is a Connor answer, but I want to commend Tim on A, letting us know how long he thought about it. That's the way to do and yeah. why you thought about it. Good question. But after – this is great. After he asked the question, he gave us context about his tastes. Yep. And that is so huge to recommendations. Just go ahead. Well, I mean, it's tough. I wouldn't tell you to read the current books. We've talked about this a lot. They're mm-hmm. fine, but the current book is not uh, not great. Which is tough because Flash, for so long, was one of the best co- books being made in comics for a long time. And so, I mean, you said you like Jerry Conway and Roger Stern, which tells me you like sort of 80s style comics, 90s, 90s style comics. The, the, the mix between Silver and Bronze Age. Right, so that's good because... From 1992 to 2005, Flash was terrific, written by Mark Wade and then Jeff Johns. So Mark Wade wrote The Flash 62 to 159. Obviously, there's fill-ins in, the, in there sometimes. And Jeff Johns wrote The Flash from 164 to 225. And I believe there was a short run by Grant Morrison and Mark Miller in the middle of that. Did they both write it? I think, it was they just, wrote it I think when I started, it was just Mark Miller. So that might have been before that. And it was terrific. That during that stretch from, one, from 1992 to 2005, it was one of the best comics being made. And the good news is, if you don't want to back issue hunt, I believe the whole Mark Wade run is collected in soft covers, and I know the whole Jeff Johns run is collected in hard covers. They're like, uh, I don't know, not, not omnibus, but there are big versions of those yeah. those Jeff Johns books, and they're good. Like I can even speak to that. Like those are that's good. Stuff. If you want to know why so many people of a certain age revere Wally West and consider Wally their Flash. I read Flash before that when it was William Mester Loeb's writing it with Greg LaRock on art. Like it was everything post Crisis when when Barry Allen dies in Crisis and Wally takes over as the Flash. Basically, from that point, nineteen eighty six through two thousand and five, you had a terrific run on the Flash, which is a long it's a generation, basically. And it was they were great, but the the Mark Wade run is the one where we sort of really dove into Wally's character and established him as a really interesting. An important part of the DC universe, and then Jeff Johns built off that. Spent a lot of time with the Rogues. It made it a whole different thing. It was great. It was a really great run. There's a reason why I love the Flash. Why our old co-host Ron, who's a total Marvel zombie, loved the Flash books. They were great comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really were. You can find those collected. Those will do you for a while because there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of Flash books. But I would say check those out. And New Frontier is a good Flash story. Oh yeah, it's a, yeah. New Frontier is a great whatever I mean, it's a story. Howl, it's, a, it's a Howl story at its heart, but it, it, there's a great flash in that story. Yeah, there really is. Yeah. It's Barry Allen. So let's check those out. There's a lot of comments. Let's wrap it up real quick. Matt R. from Connecticut. Why did the job of the inker become rare in modern comics? Seems like it was filling a pretty important role previously. 
in offloading some of the work from the penciler and allowing a book's art team to stay consistent month to month. Money. Yeah. I think it's money. I remember there was a couple of years ago, maybe more than a couple, where was it Sean Murphy wrote that article about how the anchor was going to go away and we all kind of scoffed yep. at it. Everybody ended up yeah. being right. I can assume that it's monetary both for the artist and for the company. So, and, and, and it's the advent, I think, also of digital uh, drawing on your, on your tablet because you can, you can pencil loose and then ink yourself tighter. But, and not have, not, and, and it's correctable. Right, but I mean, like India ink, you can't. It allows a different, different process of drawing. Right, but for me, because you know, I did, I, I did make one comic in my old job, so I have some idea of the economics. You, an artist can charge more because they are inking themselves, but not as much as a separate inker would charge. So right. the the company is saving money per page, and the artist is making more money per page, and so that's why you're all. And I think you're only really seeing inkers on guys that either don't draw digitally or were from a certain era who mm-hmm. you know, don't are not used to inking themselves so yeah you rarely see now it's like one book of one book a week that we talk about will have an inker on it but most don't and it, it a couple of things i mean one you know like if you think about if i'm a, economically if i'm a if i'm an artist i want to do as much as i can I don't know that that was possible in the past or they would just be doing sort of pencils on their own so they can move on. That was Jack Kirby's thing. He was just drawing a shit ton and he didn't have time to do that part. Well, they're also penciling really tight because the inker had – Yeah. Now now they don't have to. That's true. I mean I think everybody handles it differently. But also, you know, you're controlling your own product. You know, like you don't – he's – you know, Mitch Garrods is not going to have a Vinnie Coletta. You know what I mean? Like you're – so you're then controlling your own product and your own brand. Like it has to do with – sort of controlling your thing because, you know, the shit's tight, you know? And I think that the difference between bringing in sort of a third party of an inker, I guess a second party, uh, can be negligible. It can be fantastic. You know, it can be Bill Sienkiewicz inking something and bringing it completely to life, or it could be, um, God, who's the guy who inked uh, Transmetropolitan? Rodney Ramos? Yep. I mean, that dude, I've seen, you know, I like Derek Robertson's work a lot, but uh, it never came alive so much. It was so beautiful as when he was inked by a really quality, you know, like nothing to me will ever be as impressive or as beautiful as somebody pulling that, that, that black brush, you know, and making yep. just a beautiful line. Oh, I love you know, watching on a Mark page. Morales videos on Instagram where he posts yep. with him inking commissions because most of these guys are just doing commissions now. Although Mark Morales still will ink uh, Ed McGinnis. Yeah, but does that sell more copies of comic books? No. No, and does it justify the cost? That's why they were no. like, oh, this is cheaper. Yep. And it used to be what Matt said. It, you know, it took the load off, but again, the workflow is so different now that with the digital art yeah. that it doesn't... No amount of inkers, and Doug Monkey's had them all, can have a guy draw two books a month on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And I think that you're also seeing like a, a bunch of... You see this at DC a lot. Uh, is that guys who sort of came from that last generation where they did have to rely on inkers, you're always seeing these teams because I think that they're having to produce too fast. Like Ivan Reese always has an inker. Doug Monkey always has an inker. But they also also have a lot of them. So my guess is they're not leaving as much time for one inker to do it. Oh, for sure. And it's so undervalued, you know, to get the art right or to make it super high quality that they just like put everybody on and just get it done. And it's sad because... yes. They're big name guys like Mark Farmer or Klaus Jansen. Mm-hmm. Danny Mickey. Yeah, Danny Mickey. Who was the guy in the 
Terry Austin. Mm-hmm. These were names that were as big as anything, and they were the inkers. Dick Giordano Jimmy was Palmiotti. in charge of DC Comics. Jimmy Palmiotti is an amazing inker. He does not do it anymore. Beautiful inker. You know. Yeah, you're, Dick Giordano was the head of the company and inking. That's crazy. That's crazy. It's just that things have changed. The production of the books have changed. Huh. It's all gone digital and it eliminates the need for certain. You don't have color separators anymore. No, and it's all, it's also, that's true. You're also going the way of the letterers. Lettering used to be all hand done on the board. It's gorgeous. It's mm-hmm. so wonderful. And I can tell a, uh, you know, I can tell a difference. I can tell it looks better. I can tell John Workman's stuff looks better than, you know, a lot of the other stuff. But is it any more effective? No. Does it really make a difference in the final product? No. It's an aesthetic. And that's really hard to justify at this point in terms of time and cost. And then I think you actually just met up another. There's no color separators. But digital coloring does a lot of that heavy lifting also. I think that they, yeah. they take up some of that space. To a detrimental degree. Sometimes. Thank you to Matt, Tim, and Mike. Three great questions. Yeah, that was really fun to talk about. So thank you, guys. We have to not neglect these emails because they're fun. No. If you uh, want to ask a question, I'm not going to require that they're good, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to help you out if you want to hear it. Yeah. Uh, you can write to contact at ifanboy.com. Thanks so much. Make sure that you think about it for a minimum of eight months. No, that's not true. And let's move along. Talksplode. There was a new Talksplode this week uh, with my pal Aubrey Sitterson. I talked to him in episode 72. This is episode number 89. Mm-hmm. He's been through some stuff in that time. There was uh, basically when I talked to him before, G.I. Joe was coming out because of some some Internet stuff, because of some comments, things that happened. He was taken off that book and basically had to rebuild a career from scratch. And we talk about I don't talk about the controversy. I'm making air quotes all that much. But we do talk about like sort of where do you go from there? Uh, You know, and he did the comic book story of professional wrestling, which is just a wonderful book. Uh, He's had no one left to fight, just came out uh, in trade. You can get into comic shops now. And he's just I love that guy. He's really positive and enthusiastic and more energy than I can certainly muster. Uh, but make sure you go listen to that. He's, he's pretty different from all the other guys I ever talked to about comics. And, and just to, to note, you had a different person lined up. I do. And I'm still going to do that show, but she's been ill. She got a bit non-coronavirus ill, we hope. I don't know that. but Right, I'll, I'll, we hope. Yeah. And so she I'm had gonna... to drop out, and luckily Aubrey was available to jump in at the last second. Oh, I had planned to talk to him anyway, so it kind of worked out. But I was going to do the double show, and I I didn't get to that yet. But we'll get there. So that's right behind the show on the feed. What's coming up, you may ask? So uh, we owe you a Booksplode. Is it also for this month? We we owe him a Booksplode this month? Technically. Well, it's coming. It'll be near the end. It's going to be Robin Year One, which just has a new edition come out. It's a deluxe edition that just came out. And uh, it wasn't what we planned on it. And if you recall, we've talked about doing mostly 70s comics this year, but... It sort of sprung out of our last conversation about Neil Adams, and it, we saw it came out. We thought, well, that might be interesting. So we're going to do Robin Year One, the seminal work from Chuck Dixon and Javier Polito with Marcos Martin on art as well. Which was also part of the, like, you know, Chuck Dixon is is falling out of favor for a lot of reasons. But at that time, man, that guy could write Robin. And I was like, wow, I didn't realize that Polito and Marcos were doing comics 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting. So we're going to talk about that. That'll come up probably the, the, the very end of the month. And also, you're going to get Media Splode, our, our unlocked media, all media show. That's going to happen, I think, this week. I think it's going to come out this week. Yes. So you'll, you'll look for that on the feed. And then 
Obviously, the Animation Brain Trust is going to review Superman Red Sun, but I think we're going to probably push that to April because of all these other shows that we we have to do. So uh, we don't like to have more than one extra show a week. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't work. So you got your talks load this past week. You're going to get media explode this coming week, and then books explode probably maybe the week after or the week after that, and then um, the and then an- another talks load as soon as I can do it after all that stuff. There's no shortage. Yeah, so all that's coming at you, and you can find it all at ifanboy.com. That's where all of our podcasts live, and you can find out where the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking facebook.com slash ifanboy or following at ifanboy on Twitter. Or you can also follow ifanboy comics on Instagram where you can find the, the pick, but also where we do our best of the week in panels feature. Did you find any this week? Cause... I have a couple. I have very, okay. not a lot. So in some weeks, we've got like 10. This week, it's mm-hmm. not going to be 10. Follow us individually. C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram. J.A. Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram. And if you like this show, make sure to tell people about it. Word of mouth is always the best thing. Uh, I feel like all your moms probably know by now, but if you've just started listening and you haven't told your mom, first of all, she'd like to hear from you. Second of all, tell her about the show. I don't think she'll like that part as much, but the fact is we don't know. You know, someone wrote in and they, they put us in their online dating profile. Wow. Um, amongst their interests, which if that works for you, great. Let us know. Yeah, I'm gonna, I do want to know if that works out for you. <laughs> like, if you have a person who, like, right swipes you, I, I don't know how that works. <laughs> we just missed it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what any of that means. It's fine. And, and that, like, that worked for you? Then uh, I want to know about it. Anyway, so, or read review, leave on, on uh, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, if that's the case. You know, social media, word of mouth, all that stuff. We appreciate everybody who does that. Uh, we see it on a pretty regular basis, people mentioning that, uh, that to folks. And uh, you tag us. It's great. I love to see it. Thank you. And that is going to do it. Stay cool. Stay safe. Stay, safe. stay And stay, you know, stay calm. Keep calm. But, like, you know, there's a lot of stuff. That is Wash not your under goddamn your hands. That's under your control. Find the song that works best for you to make sure that you do enough of that and try not to freak out every time your kids touch literally everything and wash their hands terribly. Sorry, that was specific. So this has been our light week show, which we thought would go way under and hasn't because that's, that's how we do it. I suspect that that would not be the case. But thanks for listening. I hope you're safe and healthy. And uh, until next week, I'm Connor. I'm Josh, and honestly, thank you for listening so that we could do this. Show me around the snow big mountains way down south. Take me to your daddy's farm. Let me hear your bell like it's ringing out. Come and keep your comrade warm. I'm back in the USSR. Hey, you don't know how lucky you are, boys. Back in the USSR.